welcome to NHASCD Spotlight. It's our podcast from the New Hampshire Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development. My name is Bill Carosa, the Executive Director. Do want to remind everybody coming up in March, March 22nd, we have our K-8 Math Conference. Five speakers, Steve Linewan, Kristen Hilty, Graham Fletcher, Carolyn Worcester, and Kevin Mahoney. You can register for that event anytime you want. It's not too early, all right? It's December, recording this before the holidays. Plenty of time, but uh, just get on there right now, nhascd.org, March 22nd, our K-8 uh, Math Conference. Well, our guest today is someone I've known for quite a while, and she's on our board. She's New Hampshire educator, Kristen Moreland. She's an accomplished facilitator, educational leader. She's more than 25 years of international and domestic experience. Now listen to this travel. Kristen has recently transitioned, well, a few years ago now, from the Pan American School in Brazil, where she served as an instructional coach for three years. And she's now up in Northern New Hampshire, where she's currently the director of teaching and learning for the Littleton Schools and SAU 84. But after graduating from the University of Colorado in Boulder, she joined the US Peace Corps and moved to Cameroon in Central Africa. She taught English as a foreign language at a public school there. Upon completion of her service, she returned to the US with a short break to complete her master's degree at the University of Denver, and then went to Istanbul, Turkey, where she taught middle school English for five years, then back to Denver, Colorado. Uh, she transitioned into an instructional coaching role where she received uh, extensive training and facilitation and culturally responsive pedagogy and also the needs of adult learners. We'll talk about her dissertation, which, of course, focuses on this. Kristen is really uh, committed to growth and transformation. And as I mentioned, she is actually now Dr. Moreland uh, recently uh, defended her dissertation, which I know is a load off her mind. And her goal really is to focus on bringing humanity back to education. Krista, how are you feeling today? Probably like the load off your mind. When did it actually, when was your, um, your defense? It was pretty recently, right? Yeah. Uh, Saturday, just uh, three days ago. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> it was Saturday. Yeah. 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 So anyway, congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. It was long. It was grueling and uh, very, very emotional, but I remember yeah. it. Yeah. A big piece of what you do and in, in, in the dissertation itself was uh, what you call the human approach. We'll talk about that extensively. You mentioned in actually an article, a blog post that'll soon be on NHASCD.org. There are 500 million, and this was back in October you did this, references, resources on Google Scholar, which of course is Google's more uh, scholarly research-based uh, website. A lot of people don't know about Google Scholar, but it it's not quite as good as EBSCO, but it's close. It's a, It's getting better and better all the time. 500 million resources regarding leadership. So your human approach and your perspective on that, you know, why is it different? Because obviously you're one in 500 million resources out there. What makes uh, your approach, and we'll talk about the acronym and what it means in a little bit, but, you know, in your travels, in your experience, why do we need that human approach to to leadership, Kristen? Well, as, as you know, when you're you're doing your research, and they talk about reaching that saturation point. And I was like, leadership, education, 500 million sources and new things. And that was, as I said, in October and new things being added all the time, right? This idea of, um, of who we are as leaders. Uh, listen to this amazing podcast with Brene Brown and Adam Grant and Simon Sinek. And Brene Brown was saying just that who we are is, is how we lead. And she goes on and she's identifying some things. And she says, just the idea of being good human beings to other human beings. Um, and as I was thinking about that, I I've been thinking about this for years, 
do we all know how to be good human beings to other human beings, right? And so students first, 100%. But thinking about how the adults are interacting with each other in a building, right? And then how that leader is, is helping nurture these adult cultures where there is a sense of psychological safety, there's a sense of belonging, there's a sense of trust um, for everyone so that we can create the conditions for the students to thrive. And, and I saw that everywhere that I was, right? It's always kind of, I'm just going to go do my thing in my classroom. And the adult-to-adult pieces, um, there isn't as much of an emphasis, right? I've been saying that behaviors, so, sometimes behaviors that would never be acceptable in a classroom are rampant in the yeah. staff room, right? And so, but we all just sort of sometimes assume that, well, they're adults, they should just figure this out. But I think we need to really put some intentional work into how we are creating the conditions for the adults to thrive, right? There's so much out there today about the need for teacher well-being, teacher mental health, adult SEL. Uh, yeah. And it's almost like people think, well, you, you, you're helping kids understand these things, so you must know how to do this themselves. But I think we need to step back and really be intentional with the, um, the work that we're doing as leaders in education to support the adult cultures so that our kids will have what the, the best opportunities possible. Yeah. And I think what makes your research unique compared to uh, many educators is you've, it's probably somewhat informal. I don't think you actually did qualitative research in Cameroon necessarily, but you have seen the same sort of things, not just in a nice little school in New Hampshire, but all around the world. Um, talk about Absolutely. how that probably made you feel like, oh, I guess this is real. This is true. Yeah. Um you're right. I wasn't doing qualitative research uh, back then, but just the relationships that you have in in education, right? And so we we were so committed to our work, right? And we are all in all the time. And so you you need those teacher besties, right? And you need your team. And so and when things aren't going the way that you like, you know, then we we have conversations <laughs> with those people. Um, and so, yeah, it was the same when I was in Cameroon. It was the same thing I saw among um, my colleagues when I was in Istanbul, in Denver, in Bolt. Like, it's just the the adult culture piece. You know, we, we all go into education. Be, well, not all of us, but a, a general statement. We go into education, right, because we want to make a difference. We want to help kids. We believe in what we're doing, and then. But we're all if we're all have that same belief, I feel like as adults, we can be better for to each other and, and be supportive in that endeavor. And so the more and more that I, I was seeing that and then as I started to move into some leadership coaching uh, with some of the principals that I had been working with, um, you know, the, the the leaders of the schools are exhausted. <laughs> I just saw a headline the other day over the weekend, you know, principals need sleep too. Uh, you know, the job starts before you wake up and you there's all these gaggle of uh, reports that you got because kids were not behaving on social media or something, right? So you, you hit the ground running before you even get out of bed, right? And there's not this opportunity to pause, 
to take your breath, to, you know, get on the balcony, like Heifetzelinski say, right? So you can have that, that bigger perspective. And so what I found through some of the leadership coaching and even in the instructional coaching that I was doing, it's that, it's that break, right? Let's, okay, let's, let's, let's step away over here. Let's see what we've got going on. Let's have an assessment of where we are and let's, let's look strategically at where we need to go next. And a lot of times it wasn't the, uh, it's not a to-do list, right? It's, how am I building relationships? How am I supporting the the teachers that I work with on an emotional level, right? And again, these are not always the skills that that come naturally to people. Um, oftentimes, when when people transfer, uh, yeah, transfer into um, a more administrative role, right? Like it's it's much harder because now you're working with adults, and working with adults is not as easy with as working with kids sometimes. Right? right. And so being able to help people um, be compassionate, but also that comes with understanding who you are as a leader and what your value system is and what you believe in about education. Um, what is your, um, your, your personal vision for where you want to go, right? What's your positionality towards change and how are you nurturing trust and a sense of belonging? Hmm. And that was where the elements of this human framework came to be. Well, let's get right into it a little bit. Um, your H stands for a hone compassion. And when I was a principal, I loved the adrenaline of the job. And I think if you don't love it, it's very difficult. But the danger, as you've really kind of said, is that if you're not crazy resilient uh, and you're in the middle of this adrenaline-filled sort of leadership job that comes at you in many different directions, you may not be showing a ton of compassion towards the adult's in your building. So how do you hone that compassion? So Brene Brown, again, says that uh, empathy, empathy is a, a skill of compassion and it's something that we need to be practicing daily, right? And so it's a, it's that intentionality, right? How are you checking in on your people? How are you asking questions to find out what's what's going on? Um, is it just a, hey, quick, good morning, and then you're, you're you continue like running down the hallway type of thing? Or is are there opportunities to, I see who you are, I'm validating the work that you're doing. Um, I, I see the impacts that you're having on your kids and, and on the profession and, and on your team. Um, it, it's just taking those moments to, like you said, step away from that adrenaline, right? And look around and be supportive of the people that are around you and remembering to do that, right? It's it's a practice. And this is not necessarily part of your work, but finding that time in your day that it's a it's almost an educational policy issue, you know, and having a say one principal for 500 kids with no assistant or even with an assistant, depending on what shape the building is in, it's hard to be compassionate all the time. Apps and and you you spoke about the the resilience and the the exhaustion right and you just you got to keep you got to keep the building running right you got to keep the lights right. on and you gotta you gotta keep things running that way but there's that that other level then that's missing and I think that's where this idea of because I've been hearing the term human centered leadership uh, human focused leaders and there's several businesses that are taking on this mantra right like the the movement has started. And so when I was thinking about, well, well, what does that mean for educators, right? Is it is it emotional intelligence? Is it appreciative inquiry? Is it transformational leadership? And as I was as I was going through all of these these theorists and trying to to look at the literature from my dissertation, I was like, 
oh, if I start pulling all of these pieces together, right? And then I had a class and I was looking for, can I make some like icons, you know, for the presentation and and saw, oh, this could be how we're identifying what human-centered leadership is. Right. And it what I kind of come up with in the dissertation, right, is it's a framework and it's very, very aspirational because I, I get it, right, that 45, 50 minutes to spend uh, with a leadership coach or to where you're not just constantly putting out fires. That is a huge luxury. But I think if you can get into that practice, then the impact will be even will be so much greater than the initial, oh my gosh, I don't have 45 minutes to step away from the job because everything needs my attention yesterday. Right. It's got to be, as Peter DeWitt would talk about, a de-implementation for, for principles, oh, yeah. too, I, you know, because you, you can't do it all, certainly. And he's all about the leadership coaching, right? Totally. <laughs> Part of it, like, what are we taking away and how can that coaching support um, identifying what's, right. what's working best and what what do we need to not spend so much energy on? One thing that none of us do a perfect job and some not at all is reflection and understanding oneself. So the you in human is more centered on on the leader themselves. And so thinking about what are your values, what's important to you. Uh, I'm going to reference Brene Brown again. She talks about having you know, your two values. And these are the two values that guide you no matter what you do, whether you're, you're personal or you're professional. It's not like these are my work values and then these are my home values, right? Um, and I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, Oh yeah. Okay. And it just, it gives you, it gives you pause. And, and so, and your values might change, right? And so regrounding in these are the, this is what drives me, right? And all of my decisions need to be based off of that, right? Understanding um, how, how I grew up, right? What, what were the experiences that I had that shaped the lens through which I see the world? Understanding you know, how travel impacts your sense of what a global society is and ideas around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging and what it means to be culturally responsive. Um, there's so many aspects to our identity that we sometimes when you, you think about leaders like, oh, that's just who that person is, but, but why, right? And, and how does all of that impact the decisions that you make and the actions that you take as a leader? Because it, that, that, that trickle down effect, right? On the teachers and on how the teachers are going to respond to the kids, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Ron Richard in one of his new books talks about that institutional mirroring, right? And so the behaviors that we're displaying, our students are going to see those, but that also goes a level up, right? How the 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 leaders are are behaving, that's how the teachers are going to, to see that and that's going to have an impact on them and that's going to have an impact on the kids. Yeah. When the leader sneezes, the whole school gets a cold as... <laughs> As the old saying goes, it's that's a little bit arrogant, but I think there's some truth to that. People are looking at the leader, whether it's a, a director oh, of teaching and learning or the principal, and and uh yeah, our uh the way we conduct ourselves is probably more important than it should be, but it is important, certainly. Usually important. Yeah. Hey, mission, one of my favorite words, the M in human stands for mission. Is this a personal mission as well as developing a mission for your school or district or your area of expertise? So this one has actually been sw swapped a little bit, right? Um, so 
you know, Jim Collins talks about the difference between a mission and a vision, right? And that like mission accomplished is something that has steps and can be accomplished. Whereas vision is what you're always striving towards, right? So the M is actually stands for um, makes meaning for others while motivated by a vision. And so thinking about that, there's oftentimes, you know, going back to Peter Dewey and de-implementation, there's all, oftentimes so many initiatives happening in one school, mm-hmm. right? In, in my district, it's big dream, small school, right? Um, so many things happening in oftentimes people can't see the connections, right? So so being able to help people see, okay, so this is actually a subset of this, which is directly linked to that. And not that that's a justification or an excuse for having too many initiatives. However, helping people see how things already um, connect and overlap. So it's not this, I have to do this thing here, and then I'm going to stop and I have to do this thing here, and then I have to do this thing here, right? So helping people see how things connect and then how they can contribute to those connections, right? So that they feel like they're a part of that. And that's where I think that making meaning is, and that leads to a sense of agency, right? And so helping people, like making meaning while motivated by a vision, like as the leader, you're keeping your eye on where everything wants to go. And so you can see these are the parts of the strategic plan, but a, a teacher might only see one small part over here, right? And not quite see, understand, or even know why no one said that this is the, the greater vision. This is where we're going. And so being able to just help people see, look, this is how it, it all and this is how it all connects and this is how we can all make sense of this and this is how you can contribute. Teachers, especially after maybe two or three years, have the agency, have the margin in your li- in their life to move away from jest, and I'm using air quotes right now, teaching and the focus on pedagogy to helping to lead the school. How does a leader get those wonderfully bright, great classroom teachers and specialists to suddenly be engaged in moving the school because as we know the leader can't do it all by themselves that is an excellent question (laughs) sure just Um, tell us please in in two minutes or less right (laughs) right um so i guess i can speak to my own my own context and that we have a wonderful team we call them teaching and learning facilitators um but creating opportunities for teacher leadership Right. And so it's not always the same people who volunteer again and again and again. Right. Because we, we know we have those people. But how are we creating other opportunities? Right. Because school leadership isn't the path for everyone. It certainly was not my path, like the more formal assistant principal principal. Right. I moved from classroom teacher to instructional coach. Right. And director of teaching and learning. So right. leadership for sure, but just in a different way. And I think if I had not had the opportunity to become a coach, I didn't want to stay, right? I I had been I'd been teaching for in the classroom for 15 years and principal assistant principal that that wasn't the path for me. Um and so how can we help people stay in the classroom but but also challenge and inspire and give them opportunities to to share the their their greatness um, in the larger school setting. Now, in a perfect world, like that would also involve release time and extra stipends and right 
Um, so if, if you have that opportunity, amazing. Um, but right now, how can we find opportunities for teachers to um, to showcase their talents and and really bring along their colleagues in that for sure? So I, I don't have the funding and the time answer, but I think providing opportunities for for teachers to to move in a direction of leadership that might not be as formal as assistant principal, principal, superintendent. And I tell students here that where I teach that you can be a classroom teacher for X amount of years, but there's tons of opportunities Absolutely. to move in other areas, but stay in, in uh, K-12 education. Yeah. All right. The A, anticipating and acknowledging the unknown. And when I look around the world right now, anxiety is at the highest level ever. Certainly around teenagers, the uh, CDC data is just not very strong right now in terms of the youth risk behavior surveys and the 2021 report was pretty scary about how anxiety has increased. And I, we all know it's increased among adults as well. So how do you do this? How do you anticipate, acknowledge the unknown and probably bring anxiety down since you're actually thinking about the unknown and not making it such a scary thing? I, I think it's just that, what, what you said, right? It's, it's being proactive instead of reactive. Mm -hmm. It's being flexible. It's being able to see, hey, you know what? Uh, we had a snow day or we had a late start. That doesn't mean the world's getting, you know, right. <laughs> things are not all over. Be I think providing opportunities, thinking about the teachers, right? How do they have the opportunity for that collaborative planning so that they can see that bigger picture so that when things come up, they do have the flexibility to to pivot and not feel so, but no, I have to be on this page on this chapter because this is what I had had planned for tomorrow. Um, but being able to think more um a bit more holistically about things that we're doing and and how what is your personal personal positionality towards change, right? Is it something that you embrace? Is it something that scares you, right? So how how do you, if you understand how you anticipate and deal with change, right? Um, that will help you support the others that are in that sphere of influence that you have, right? Um, and so how can we, there are, um, you know, breathing practices that you can do. And we oh, do sure. a lot of with our students. So there's some of those kind of mental health tricks, but also I think that idea of, being expertly planned so that you can be spontaneous um, is something that that helps with um, anticipating and acknowledging the unknown. Because who knows? Who knows what's going to happen at like the next your next but, uh, school board meeting or it's budget planning season, right? It, who who knows? But we can't constantly live in that state of fear because we've got work to do. Right. And I think that makes it really hard for educators because the world is still going on around us. And yet we got to show up and be there for the kids every single day. There's a fair amount of research on leadership that shows, especially for principals, that the number one feature teachers want with a principal is trust. Mm -hmm. So your your last letter, your N is nurture trust. Talk about that. Yeah, that's huge. Right. Um, so when we think about Trust. I mean, trust in leadership is a genre in and all its own, uh, on its own, right? I mean, there's so many books about um, how to how to build trust, trust, how to how to make those connections. Um, thinking again about psychological safety, um, but that connects with the with the honing compassion, right? So putting people in a place where they are valued as adults in order to make decisions, right? Your opinion matters to me. Um, and I'm going to come 
check in on this and, and hope that as we, as you feel safer and safer, you'll start to, to trust this process, right? You'll start to feel that sense of belonging and that you are a valued member of our community. And hopefully that leads to this, this sense of empowerment, right? Um, teachers don't want to be micromanaged, of course, and principals don't have time to, to, to micromanage. Um, however, I think there's that disconnect, right? Like, teachers want trust from their principals, as they said. And then there's also the, the principal saying, and yet I've got to accomplish all 900 of these things before 845, right? And so, so that balance of going back to that idea of teacher leadership, right? How are we empowering teachers to, to support their colleagues and their teams in order to say, we've got this, we're going to take all of these best practices and all of these things we've been learning in our professional development sessions, and we're going to put them toward this and we're going to create something great. And knowing that the principal says, I've got you in this, let me know what you need instead of the, well, let's pick this apart and and defend everything your every choice that you're making instead of the supporting and um how can i help you situation I, I think it's 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 both right it's the teachers rising up to say we're ready to take this on and the principal or the district leader whoever is saying we've got you and we support you what can we do to make this happen what's uh, what's next you you have this framework which is really articulate and different enough from what you're seeing out there that people are going to say, hmm, this might be something I want to to check out. What do you see next for your your work in this? I realize you just defended Saturday, so it's a little <laughs> early to be, yeah, you might say first a nap, uh, <laughs> right. you know, um, so, uh, but yeah, how do you see the future uh, looking for you on this? Yeah, I, I would love to support um, school and district leaders um, in that leadership coaching area around these elements, right? Um, and so trying to help people understand that leadership coaching, the time and money spent on leadership coaching is worth it, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then potentially some type of leadership academy or a course or, or ongoing support facilitation workshops that these are all aspirational things for sure, right? And it's not something that, oh, I, I was not compassionate today, I failed, right? It's it's going back to, um, in, in talking about adult development theory, which is um, something that was part of my study as well, there's this idea of fallback. And fallback is when you are striving to be the, the, the best adult you can be, and then life is messy and complicated and emotional, and you're not showing up that way, right? And so <laughs> how can you pause and, and say, oh, okay, that's not who I want to be, right? Understanding yourself as a leader. And then going back to, to some of the, like grounding in the elements of the framework. All right. So today I need to remember, I need to do this, right? Or we've got something big coming up. And so I really need to focus on um, how I'm anticipating and acknowledging the unknown, both in myself and for my teachers. So I think it's more of um, kind of mindset, helping coaching people on the, these mindsets of how we're keeping these ideas in the, the back of our heads as we're going through uh, the the day-to-day -day, uh, craziness that that is the world of education. So people have their appetites fed a little bit today on your concepts. How can people find out more about the your uh, perspective on, on leadership, the human perspective? Well, they can make sure that they're signed up for the NHASCD newsletter. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping to start, you know, 
blogging a little bit, contributing articles um, to the monthly newsletter to to talk more about these ideas and just offer some some stories and insights from the field, right? Uh, these are some things that people are saying. These are some things that I'm noticing. Here's a resource that that can help connect with that. And I think we'll make sure your latest blog post, if if we don't have time quite yet to get it up on the on the site because of editing or whatever else, um, we can uh, find a way to to get that up so people can can read it. It's really good. And it, it does a nice job of not just talking about the your perspective, but kind of bringing a, a holistic uh, look to it as well. So how about uh, social media, though? You're on social media, right? So where do we find yes. you? Yes. Uh, not as big of a social media presence. Um, I got to work on that a little bit, but at Educators for Humanity, um, which has been my Instagram for quite some time now. This was, again, sort of that birthplace of, of those ideas, right? We're thinking about how the um, the humanity of the adult culture is, and we need to recognize that. So at Educators for Humanity, um, I need to get that up and running again. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn, Kristen Moreland. Yeah, you're on LinkedIn quite a bit. I noticed uh, you presented at CMTC and there were tons of really positive comments uh, on your LinkedIn. So that was really nice. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks for being with us, Kristen. Bill, thanks so much for having me. I, I was exciting to talk about all this and I hope more people will uh, be interested in these ideas too. Yeah, I think you're right on the mark. This is what we need right now in a difficult period in our, our public school and school history in general. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, our mission is to serve at NHASED as a catalyst for conversation and action to inspire excellence in teaching, learning, and leading. You can find links to much what we talked about on today's show in the show notes located on our Spotify podcast page, accessible on the front page at NHASED.org or in any podcast player. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, really any podcast player these days. You can find us on X, Facebook, and Instagram at NHASED. I'm Bill Carosa, Executive Director. We'll see you next time for NHASED Spotlight. Take care, everybody. <laughs>